Hey, it's Leafs Talk. No Bourne, no McKee, no Bunkus. It's Gunning and Cuthbert. What a game. 7-4. Leafs beat the Oilers. Home ice on a Saturday night. Justin, I'm fired up. How are you feeling after that one, bud? Uh, I'm great. It was a fun game. Uh, we're probably short on fun games, I think, at this point. We're, <laughs> we're in, we got, like, instructive games, important games, games where we'll learn something, but it felt like this was one of the final, like, fun, truly fun games. Superstar on superstar, superstars on multiple stars, me for the Maple Leafs. Uh, no, it was, it was really good. It was a lot of fun. That was a hell of a second period, so looking forward to breaking it down. When you talk superstars, obviously we'll start with the biggest of the bunch, and I mean Noel Achari. Uh, I'm half kidding, but man, he just, it was in a game, like you said, where there's all these superstars running around. It really does kind of prove instructive of exactly what the Leafs went out and got at the deadline. Jake McCabe looked tough. Noel Achari comes up with a couple big goals, include, well, not including one. He didn't get a goal on it, but he looked like he almost lost his head sliding into the net, and you didn't even have <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly. Like, I'm half joking here that that's where I'm starting, but honestly, and a game where there's superstars peppering both lineups up and up and down the ice it's guys like that that I'm not going to say were the difference because they weren't but it was just really nice to see well it was also a game where the Leafs didn't have firm lines with the exception of the fourth line so if we're talking about like instructive things uh we could look forward to that fourth line hopefully sticking together and giving you major contributions when it matters the most I don't I don't think it's wrong to start with Nola Cherry for that reason because it was like one of the few real things maybe that we like yeah we're gonna see Mitch Marder picking off passes in the postseason hopefully and a power play hot hopefully but Nola Chari doing fourth line things like that's something you can write a woman book I, I I feel like it's something to be legitimately excited about and you nailed it with Jake McCabe like with all due respect to Ryan O'Reilly Jake McCabe at two million dollars he's Jake Muzzin but two million dollars like it, it's a pretty fantastic deal to have him around for this playoff and two more seasons at two million dollars like he is exactly what Lee fans clamor for which is just toughness and steadiness on the back end uh, Jake McCabe might be the jewel of the deadline It's a busy deadline he might be the most important piece brought in though well, I might, I might even want to get a little bit greedy with McCabe because you're starting to see it where, and again, like look at the teams this guy's played on in his NHL career. It was Buffalo before they got semi-good like they are now, and it was the abject failure that was this year's and, well, quite honestly, last year's Chicago Blackhawks. And you can just see moments where he's trying to read off of a, a Mitch Marner, an Austin Matthews, you know, a John Tavares. Pick any of your skill forwards that the Leafs have, and you can just see where he goes, oh, okay, that's how they play the game game here and on the offensive side of things I think there's still you know plenty of room for him to pick things up but defensively exactly what what you could have asked for I mean let's just kind of follow through the game here you know I mentioned Achari he gets the scoring he he opens up the scoring and then you have a couple of goals I mean I'm not going to kill Matt Murray for the second one but and I know Matias Ekholm absolutely peppered the first one but 22 seconds after you open the scoring, your barn, Saturday night, McDavid in town. It just felt like that was one of those had to have it from Murray. And, you know, he ends up not being the story of the game, but man, because of how good he was after letting in those three. But man, the two of those three did not love what I saw from Matt Murray there. Yeah, he, he had a weird night, right? Because he looked four, a little shaky at times. Say, yeah. he, he didn't give up good goals necessarily. Like you, you, you wish you had a couple of them, probably. But the Oilers are the Oilers, uh, and they're a dangerous team, and they make you work certainly as a netminder. I was thinking actually when that goal went in, the the Ekholm goal, 
22 seconds after, as you mentioned, the Achari uh, icebreaker, I thought, well, what the story of the game is going to be is these this mess of a lineup, this 11-7 thing that uh, Sheldon Keefe has going tonight because it was pretty clearly obvious what happened on that goal. There was a little miscommunication with the forward group. Someone was late to rotate over and just let Ekholm step into one. And that, you know, you're, you're, you could nitpick – Matt Murray a little bit, but you got to give him a chance too. You got Matthias Ekholm coming in, walking into a shot from a good area. Like, yeah, maybe you could have had it, but you got to get a body in front of Matthias Ekholm there. And it felt like, oh, we're seeing the integration issues all over again, where this team is just trying to figure it out. And it's beer league; they're throwing over the bench. Next three up, but they settled into that lineup for sure uh, after a little while, after some uh, early hiccups, and you didn't really notice that they were down a forward the whole game once we got to the midway part of it. So I was worried that that was going to be the thing we were talking about, 11-7, that argument the whole time. I think we can kind of put that one aside for now. We can put it aside for now, although, and I know, you know, a penalty that he took factors into this a little bit. I'm surprised Timothy Lilligren has the least ice time of the bunch. You know, maybe I'm just out on Eric Gustafson and I need to see things that Sheldon Keefe doesn't because, you know, he's a more responsible, pragmatic hockey mind than me. But I'm surprised that it's Lilligren who who drew the short straw defensively there. I'm sure some of it is, you know, the Leafs had all that power play time. And yeah, just look at it. Gustafson had two and a half minutes of power play. So maybe it's just as simple as that. But that was a little surprising to me that Lilligren, because I think that that's the thing you got to watch for is who is kind of the odd man out. And man, there's so much more to get into this game. I don't want to sit here crapping on the 11 and 7, which I don't like, uh, but it is odd to me that Lilligren was kind of the odd man out there. But maybe it's just the power play time. Yeah, I mean, the Gustafson, Gustafson thing, excuse me, is the is the one thing that's got my, you know, got me head scratching a little bit. Like, I just don't really understand his value if it's not to be your number one power play quarterback because that's what he does well at the NHL level. Playing him in a playoff series with Morgan Riley seems like the most terrifying proposition mm-hmm. imaginable for this Leafs defense score that runs 9-10 deep if you want to include Jordy Ben, Like, I could not imagine a scenario where those two, the quarterbacks, are playing together as the lightning in a playoff (laughs) series. It seems absolutely asinine, but maybe you're just trying to figure out exactly who this guy is because he's kind of an unknown quantity, at least to Sheldon Keefe a little bit. So maybe I see it from that side of it. Like, you want to see what it looks like. You want to make sure you don't have something that you're stashing away on the bench that you should, that you shouldn't. Uh, but I'm hoping that's the reason why we're seeing less Liljegren. But I guess when Luke Shen returns, that throws all that into the wash as well. Yeah, boy, boy, does it. Uh, Okay, we got to talk about I don't really care which. Pick your one of the big four. Where do you want to start? I mean, Marner seems like the obvious guy. Tavares with a couple of goals. Matthews is great. Nylander gets on the board. Where do you want to start of the big four tonight? Well, to not be predictable, how about John Tavares? Yes. Uh, Pretty clinical stuff from him. I mean, I don't know what happened this past week. I don't know if he was healthy scratched. I don't know if he was concussed. I don't really know exactly what happened with John Tavares. I don't know if he was load managed, but if he was load managed, he looked pretty fresh tonight. I think he looked sharp offensively more than anything else. Uh, Taking his chances, his passing was crisp. I thought he was a difference on the power play, which, of course, was very, very good. And he was also a little snarly. Got a nice mm-hmm. chop on the hands of DeHarnay. So Tavares looked like, you know, you want to see in the playoff John Tavares, which is someone who's not backing down, a little engaged, but also really, really uh, sharp in the offensive zone and able to be a difference maker in the offensive zone. I was pretty encouraged with what I saw because I didn't know how it was going to go when he was 
uh, earlier this week when the, the practice lines came out. It was one Simmons, and I'm like, what are we doing here with John Tavares? <laughs> but uh, 11 forwards look good on him, at least, where he was playing with Matthews a little bit, playing with Nylander a little bit, playing with Marner a little bit, and it really didn't matter who it was because uh, he was making it happen in the offensive end. Yeah, you can always tell when a guy like that is feeling himself, uh, you know, especially Tavares. He went for the old JVR between the legs goal, didn't quite get it to convert. But if that would have been the one that got got him over the the hump for his hat trick, I don't know that that place would have ever stopped rocking. And I, I echo everything you said. Maybe the nicest thing to see and kids uh, plug your ears. That, that slash on the hands. That's what you need from him, okay? You need him to be nasty. You need him to get sucked into it a little bit. You know, this Leafs team, we've had the back and forths over three, four seasons now of, is it good that they stay above the fray? Should they be a little more open to going there? I love that Tavares showed some of that that nastiness. Uh, if we're going to go from there, real easy to roll right into how special Marner was tonight. Now, it was a great play to knock down the absolute pizza by what was it? Who was it? McLeod on the Oilers. Ryan McLeod, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, the the play to knock it down was one thing: the patience, the poise, the hands, the ability. However, you want to phrase it on on that goal of his, and then that was just the kind of beginning of the Marner magic. You know, for a guy who's not known as a goal scorer, I think there are two or three and two from the last couple of weeks, or no, last week and change that you could say might be the nicest Leaf goals of the year let alone nicest Marner goals of the year. He's just been an incredible run here. Uh, yeah, outstanding. That goal was sublime. Uh, I don't know how many passes he picked off during this entire game, but there, I don't know if I have enough fingers to do it. Uh, he was unbelievable getting to lanes. Now, I guess the Oilers were pressing a lot, and McDavid was trying all these different things, so he was able to get those turnovers, but still, his defensive acumen was on display tonight. And if he's going to June, or if he's going to Las Vegas, rather, in June for an award show, and it's for the Selkie Trophy, he's up for that, you just have to go to the second period and... and <laughs> get his goal and the assist on the Nylander goal. That's all you need to to give the little highlight or that little tease that they play on the video board before they announce who's going to win the thing. Uh, Mitch Marner, like that was the Selkie trophy, Mitch Marner, where his defensive prowess not only helps you win, but changes the game. He changed the game with how good he was defensively, scoring that goal, setting up Nylander, and racking up four total points on the night. That was the Mitch Marner you need to see in the playoffs. The guy who's actively making things happen rather than being or a little bit timid or being someone who's waiting on something else to happen. He was proactive. He made it happen. He made the difference. That's the Mitch Marner you need to see when it matters the most. Yeah, it was really, really encouraging. And I don't mean from tonight, not that you haven't seen this, but this has just been, you know, I think like any player, when he came off of whatever the point streak ended at for him, you could see a little dip in his play because it's just impossible to stay at that level. And it's nice to see him kind of find it on a completely different trajectory now. I mean, you know, he was consistent throughout that streak. He wasn't having four-point nights during it. Uh, Austin Matthews. Really different game from him. Shot it in the net. You love to see that. Seemed like he was physical. And maybe this is as good a point as any to have the the Matthews-McDavid conversation. Not to compare them, but just how they 
clearly get up for playing each other. Now, I think Connor McDavid would get excited and get get his heart rate going regardless of who was playing for the Leafs, him coming to town. This is always going to be special for any guy from the area like he is. But you can see these guys clearly measure themselves against each other. And there was just that little bit of, now it wasn't Tavares, uh, I don't know, potentially breaking David Dayarnay's hand. It wasn't quite that. <laughs> but there was some nastiness between the two of them. And honestly, it felt like that went away from McDavid as the game went on. And you could say he had to focus on scoring. That's, that's a fair point to have. But I just love to see the little battle between the two of them. We don't get it in hockey. So often we market games this way, and it's Crosby, Ovechkin. And yeah, well, one's a center, one's a winger. They're probably not going to be matched up against each other. No, these two started the game each o- against each other. They barely left one another side. And honestly, it was just an awesome back and forth battle. Yeah, it was. And it did feel like Act 2 was going to go to Connor McDavid, too. I mean, it was decisive in the first meeting between these two teams. It felt like, yeah, it was it was Connor McDavid's night again. Uh, but Austin Matthews, as much it was as much it was as much as it was Mitch Marner setting the tone, Austin Matthews had that defensive play as well, setting up John Tavares. And then, of course, he gets his cookie as well. I, I love that he went at him. I love how it's – I don't know if they were, like, accidentally on purpose there or they didn't quite know who each other were when they were <laughs> slashing each other until they looked each other in the eye. I'm not really sure how it went down because we know those guys do uh, – I guess, I don't know if they consider themselves friends, but they're definitely uh, acquaintances and friendly. But uh, I love to see the superstars go at it. What is it? We're not probably going to get the Le Cavalier, uh Jerome McGinley one day between those two, but a, a little snarl and uh, some point counterpoint or punch counterpunch from a scoring perspective. I mean, that's all you can really ask for when when seeing these two play each other. Yeah, Connor McDavid, the better player. If they did go Le Cavalier Aginla, I think I like Matthews' chances there. Just has a little bit of – but McDavid's got the reach. If we're doing the true tail of the tape, I think he's a little lankier, so I don't know. I I've only seen good. one fight in my life, and I know That's Connor McDavid point. broke his hand when he yeah. fought way back when. I don't know if he has an NHL fight, but broke his hand playing for the Erie Otters way back when. I actually think McDavid would be a little bit more comfortable, even if Matthews might be the stronger guy. I think the move for and wow, this is this is where my mind goes after after a seven four Leafs win at home. I think Matthew's best chance in that is just to go full Chara on McCabe. Just get ragdolling and don't really stop. Now, easier said than done, uh, especially when you don't have like seven inches on a guy like like Chara did uh, way, way back when. Okay, uh, William Nylander, the, the least sexy of the bunch tonight, but it's more just kind of putting his year in perspective. When William Nylander can score as big a goal as he scored tonight at the time and his 34th of the year, and it's, yeah, okay, he was the least of the big four. This is really just the full plan coming to fruition for Kyle Dubas and co., not just that Nylander's been this guy all year long, but that when a guy like him can get on the score sheet and it's not the dominant, oh, look how great this guy was. He was just a piece of the puzzle. It really does kind of show you the vision that the Leafs had. And man, maybe it's easier said than done. In ga- or maybe it's a little easier in games against the Oilers where they're perfectly happy to run up the score and play these wide open games. But just so nice to see him. And again, 34 goals this year. Really nuts when you put it in perspective. Yeah, career year closing in on 80 points. He'll get there uh, probably within a week based on how this this is going and how William Nylander's going right now. Do you think they have something different planned for the postseason, though? Because, like, I don't know how this is all going to shake up. I mean, Mitch Marner's the first decision, whether he's going to play with Austin Matthews or not. But, like, the way that they started with Lafferty, the way that Nylander's been on an island before and continues to produce produce regardless, Ryan O'Reilly coming back into the fold. I don't know how this is all going to land, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, 
William Nylander ends up having to do a lot of it by himself. Like maybe he has to work individually for this team to have the success that it's looking for. I don't know if Ryan O'Reilly is going to be stapled to Tavares. I don't know if he's going to play on a third third line uh, with two more natural checkers. But one of the things they can always go to is just Nylander with a couple of guys and count on him to have a positive mm-hmm. impact. I think the most impressive thing about William Nylander's season and really William Nylander's career in the NHL is that he's a no-excuses guy. You just put him with whoever, and he generally produces. He generally gets the job done, whether it's kind of in a silo or with other guys that he fits in with seamlessly. I, I, think, it's, I think it's something they could explore a little bit where Nylander just maybe you weaponize him, maybe you try and hide a couple other guys, maybe a Kerfoot who's worked well with Nylander before. I don't know how it's all going to shake up because I think they have decisions to make still, and they still have to have Ryan O'Reilly back to have the full complement of forwards but I wouldn't be surprised if at one point it's just like hey Nylander get us through some shit and I have all the confidence in the world that'll do that so I'm it's not lost on me that the two games that I've liked Lafferty at center the most have been games against speedier teams I mean we remember the play he made in that Devils game he just beat everybody down the ice and you know I think that it's Keefe again using this time to experiment and say now the thing is is that obviously the team they're going to play in the first round it, they are not a speedy team by any means in the Lightning you know they've got some quicker guys but it's a it's an older sager team it's not one that beats you with speed and when you look at Boston, Boston. They have a, a few burners there, but it's a very similar recipe. So it's interesting. You know, if the if the Leafs were in the, the Metro, they were going to have to go through Carolina and they were going to have to go through the Devils or something like that. The idea of a Lafferty Nylander combo with maybe Kerfoot on a wing or something like that would make more sense to me because you'd want to match speed. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. And again, I keep going back to it. I don't I I am concerned about O'Reilly and not getting these games in. And it's not a matter of concern about him or who he will fit with, but it's about where he can fit best. And then does that make your life easier elsewhere down the line? So I think, I think that's the thing that jumped out to me is just that Lafferty looks great against fast teams, but the Leafs are going to play one probably hopefully for, for the first two rounds. So I don't, I don't know what they do, but I, I would love to see Nylander be asked to do that because he's capable of it. And then, this just goes back to the plan that's never really worked for this team is that you're supposed to either have a check in line that can eat one of those two lines or you have a guy like Nylander who can do that. And then those top two lines are supposed to feast and it's just never, never really happened. And as far as who you put Marner with, who you put Nylander with, I think that's going to change three different times in in the series I imagine if I was doing it I think you start Marner with Matthews and Nylander has proven he can be responsible then you can lean on him and Tavares in more of a defensive role but I don't don't know if you were if playoffs were starting tomorrow and Ryan O'Reilly was healthy how would you do it I guess I'm considering the end rather than like fully flushing out the means but like I'm imagining a world against the lightning where I don't know you're seeing 15 shifts a night where Nylander is like clearly the best player on the ice in the matchup where, you know, the Ross Colton, Nick Pauls of the world are on the other side and maybe he can get you an advantage that way. But I think you're like, this is the main concern with the Leafs right now with O'Reilly out as long as he's out and with seven defensemen and Luke Shen being away from the team right now. It's just like, how close can you get to something that's real and stable and what you actually envisioned 
for the playoffs. Like it seems like it's musical chairs right now and there's nothing set in stone, even at the very top of the food chain with Michael Bunting moving around and Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, not necessarily being a lock to play with each other because you understand how much better John Tavares is sometimes with Mitch Marner. I just feel like there's so much that they still have to figure out. And the way that they're like act, the way that they're going after games and just kind of opening the doors and letting it flow and seeing what happens, like you can't really figure out exactly what you need to figure out. You have so much outstanding work and so much stuff that you have to nail down, and you're not really working towards it, or at least it doesn't feel like that right now. And I think that's that's really my main concern is like it's going to come quick the playoffs we're about five weeks away maybe a little bit less like it's it's coming fast and they have a lot of things it seems they have to figure out and I don't feel like we took a real big step towards it tonight that's why I have such a big deal with 11 and 7 and it's more about the defenseman than it is about the forwards but you got to sort out these pairs okay we all know that Morgan Riley could go play with TJ Brody and that's going to work out great we all know TJ Brody can go play with anybody he wants. He could have me or you out there and we'll somehow make it work, okay? He is the fixer back there. But outside of that, I don't know what you have figured out that's optimal. Is McCabe and Brody your shutdown pair? What does that mean for Riley? And again, we're not going to figure out these answers tonight. You're definitely not going to figure it out with, with seven defensemen back there. I cannot stand it. So I'd like to see them straighten that out. But then Luke Shen hasn't really gotten in games yet outside of the, the one or two. And he, uh, you don't trade a third-round pick not to, not to play a guy. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, Sheldon Keefe. Uh, he... He'll, he'll say he's frustrated. Well, he wouldn't say he's frustrated, but he'll say a good problem to have. Figure it out, okay? You love the blender. Get in the kitchen. <laughs> get your slap chop out for some smaller mixing. Figure out. Find a way. Uh, before we get out of here, we touched on Murray, talked about the Oilers, McDavid, all the big boys and everything. I got to talk about Michael Bunting, and then we just have to, we just have to hypothesize. We don't need to complain because it didn't end up costing the Leafs, so that's my reason why we don't have to complain about it. What happened with the officiating tonight? They just didn't take one guy early, and they stuck with that standard. We always complain. We want them to find a standard. I just didn't think the standard I would ever see being stuck to is coincidental minors literally every time. I know not every time because the Leafs had a bundle of power plays. Oilers had their fair share as well, but that was just one of the most odd officiated games ever. And I'm not just talking about the standard Michael Bunting doesn't get a call stuff. I mean, you referenced it. The McDavid Matthews one right off the hop. Just a lot of really odd calls tonight. Weird one. Yeah, they set a bad precedent, I think. I think it was McDavid and Matthews first. It just seemed like, okay, we want to... We want to be ultra fair. And when you try to be ultra fair, you put yourself in a scenario where you've set a bad precedent and you continue to make wrong calls, it seemed. Like, it just seemed like it got away from them. And some nights it gets away from the officials. I feel like I, like, throw up my arms and shrug my shoulders a little bit too much (laughs) with officiating because, I don't know, I guess I'm used to it over many, many years of watching, playing, and, you know, just consuming sport. Like, they... Don't do an impeccable job every single time. Sometimes they make mistakes. Sometimes it affects the entire game when they make mistakes. It just felt like, yeah, it's in the end, it was probably somewhat even, but it pissed everyone off. And when it pisses everyone off, I guess it's not a, a, an expertly officiated game. No, there was a great shot, and this just is more, you know, you watch your team, and I, yeah, I actually watch a fair amount of Oilers games, but you're obviously more familiar with the team you watch on a night-in, night-out basis than the other. And they show Jay Woodcroft on the bench, and this is one of those classic coincidental minors, how somehow 
all 40-ish guys on the ice were mad about it. Not a soul was happy about yeah. it. And they show Woodcroft, and he is he has his hands cupped doing a, no, no, I'm just trying to understand. And then you have Keith just staring down at the bench, muttering to himself, probably thinking about that $25,000 fine and how much more of his money's worth he could have got when you think about what David Quinn did there. But it's just so funny the way uh, different coaches will react to these things. Uh, last one bef- before we get out of here for me. I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, Matt just, Murray. Just quickly, just quickly yeah, yeah. on bunting because yes. you're the bunting oh, expert, yeah, Whisper. His ability – to avoid actually having to fight is something I'm consistently moving at. Like, guys who don't want to fight have to fight all the time. All the you time. lay a big hit, you have to fight. You're just in a scrum. Someone grabs you, you have to fight. Michael Bunting constantly, constantly mixes it up, has people red-faced and angry at them, at him, at all time, and he still finds a way to not actually have to remove his gloves and exchange punches with someone. I find it unbelievable how he continues <laughs> to do this. I'm oddly impressed by this skill. I thought Evander Kane was going to kill him, just in cold yeah, what, blood. Not even a He fight, wanted to. I don't execution. know why he didn't. I don't know why he just fling his gloves off and start doing it. No one does that. I'm like, I'm just like yelling at the TV now. Just do it. I see it once. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of guys in this league who have had sheepish fights of, okay, here, let's get this over with. And I guess it's because he doesn't take the big runs. A lot of big runs with the lips. Very, very little big runs uh, actually into anybody. I think that's, I think that's why. But yeah, fair, fair point to be brought up. Uh, wouldn't be the first time I heard it tonight. Everyone knows I'm, I'm the, I'm bunting. I, bunting is my guy. Uh, so I had to fend that or field that question many, many times uh, tonight. It's impressive. It's very it, impressive. I gotta say. Maybe, maybe, maybe his greatest skill. However terrible he is at drawing penalties. <laughs> yeah. Even though he's yeah. really good at it, uh, he might he might be better at that. Uh, Matt Murray again, like we said, got it uh, got it back on the rails as the game went on. And look, you know, pitching a shutout for the second half of a game against that team is is no easy feat. Despite me not liking how it started there with that home goal. Where are you at on Leafs goaltending? I imagine they go back to Samsonov on Monday. That'll be on the fan. That's at home against the Sabres. And then they got Wednesday against the Avs. You know, neither of those are easy games. Do you think they just split them? Do you think they try to give somebody the ball and let them run with it here? What do you think they do? And what should they do? Yeah, if anyone, I think if anything really bothered Maple Leaf fans in the lead up to this game, it was that Matt Murray was starting. Uh, I, I feel it was like actually that really... Jack Campbell wasn't starting. That was the big uh, yeah, yeah. thing. That That's, <laughs> I guess. It's more adjacent goaltending issues with with Matt Murray getting the start. Uh, I feel like people want to see Samsonov like awarded it. I want it, they want him to have the chance to take the ball and run with it. As you said, if they just go every other the rest of the way and you make the best decision for your team based on that, I'm okay with it. If this is still a competition, I'm okay with it. And I guess it probably should be because really the only thing that Matt Murray has not been able to provide is the normal thing that he can't provide, which is reliability, availability. When he's in the net, it's okay. It's decent. It's not as good as Samsonov this season, I guess, if you look at the stats. But it's not bad. So I I think the competition can continue. I'm okay with that. I don't think you have to just hand it to Samsonov or hand it to Murray. I I think these guys could alternate, and you could figure out, actually, who should be in Game 1. And I I think Samsonov's placeholder right now. But I think it could be subject to change, and I think you should see if one of these guys can really be hot down the stretch and see if you change your mind a little bit. 
Yeah, Murray's Murray's year feels a lot worse than it is because of the injuries and especially like him supposed to have started that game and then pulled out with the tweaked ankle and that took so long. His year has felt a lot worse than than it is. Samsonov has been the more impressive guy, uh, but I, I'm I understand what you're saying there. And even though I don't, if it was me, I wouldn't be saying that. I'd say let's let's go, let's 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 let Sammy get on a run here. But I think that is the better decision. You didn't get Matt Murray, you didn't pay him all that money even into next year because you didn't think he couldn't be this guy uh that's it for me anything else from you before we get out of here Cuthbert no keep Samsonov hungry though like don't get complacent it's not your he's back it's not yours though keep playing hard keep showing us what you got I think that's the best way to go but other than that other than me marveling at Michael Bunting uh (laughs) in the aesthetics of the night which it was there's some pretty goals scored by the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight uh yeah I'm, I'm I'm pretty tapped out just like so, you want you want Ilya Samsonov and the Leafs net to have a similar relationship with us and this show. Just let us get a taste once in a while, mix us in, keep us hungry. Uh, you you and Ayla shall have the whole weekend covered on uh, Monday morning. Uh, I'll be back uh, doing the Leafs game. We'll have that on the fan on Monday against the Sabers, and I'll actually be back doing this uh, with Sam McKee on Friday. So there you go, Justin Cuthbert, Brent Gutting, another edition of Leafs Talk. Get it wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>